for the beautiful worship the words of as grace and mercy unfold i surrender all yes our surrender to god flows out of his mercy and grace and uh, praise god for those words praise god for god's mercy and kindness let's close our eyes and look to god in prayer father we thank you for this beautiful morning we thank you that we could worship you father we pray that even as we stand and sit and listen to your precious word you will minister to us speak to us from your word hide me behind the cross let your word come forth with your power and authority yes, not with enticing words of man's wisdom but in the demonstration of your spirit and of power and let it captivate our hearts capture our minds and make us lord to be fully for you we pray that you would bless this time in jesus name we pray amen praise god i've been teaching uh, from the minor prophets for the last two times i spoke from the book of hosea and then from the book of joel now we come to the book of amos um and today when someone says he is a man of god or a pastor or an evangelist what comes to our mind i'm sure we'll always think in today's uh, context a well dressed person maybe a suit wearing having a huge crowd of followers or having a church a huge mega church or a big church tv ministry writing books having a cd ministry driving a car and now some people even have bodyguards you know to protect them and uh, i heard of a pastor who came to another pastor's home to uh, seek a, seek a alignment for uh, no, sorry alliance for his son and he came with bodyguards going before and around him doctor bishop prophet etc are some of the titles people want to add in front of their names <clears throat> but amos was a different person altogether he was a lay person he was shepherding sheep and tending sycamore uh fruits or a type of fig fruit he was not the son of a prophet or son of the priest however amos was a man of god a prophet and a person who was devoted to serving god he was an ordinary shepherd and a farmer but god gave a vision of future to amos and said in amos chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 <laughs> the words of sorry the words of amos who was among the sheep breeders of tekoa which he saw concerning israel in the days of uzziah king of juda and the days of jeroboam the son of joash king of israel two years before the earthquake and verse 2 and he said the lord rose from zion and utters his voice from jerusalem the pastures of the shepherd mourn and the top of mount carmel withers here is a prophet who is able to see the future of the nation of israel and amos prophesied during the time of uzziah the king of judah and jeroboam two of israel Jeroboam won many victory, military victories and accumulated a lot of wealth and his people were living in luxury and prosperity but he was the worst king ever he was not bothered about walking in the ways of god but institutes idol worship of the canaanites and the neighboring tribes and this led people this people to live a life of injustice and oppression of the poor but the beautiful thing is god love to reveal himself to people who are humble of heart and lowly of heart the bible says in amos 3 and verse 7 surely the lord does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants the prophets what a statement this is a shepherd a farmer a person who had no much not much standing in the nation of 
Israel. But here is a prophet who's able to say the Lord reveals nothing, does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his servants and to the prophets. My dear brother, my dear sister, this should encourage you and me. If we want to be servants of God, we wanted to have a close relationship with God. Definitely God wants to reveal his heart to you and to me. He's not looking, us, looking to us for our education, for our status, but availability. And in Amos 7, 10 to 13, we find the priest Amaziah instigates King Jeroboam II against Amos and even goes to the extent to chase Amos from prophesying in the nation of Israel. In verse 12, he says, get out, go back to the land of Judah because he was prophesying in Israel. And he tells them, go earn your bread there and do your prophesying there. Amos was from the southern kingdom of Judah. His hometown, hometown of Tekoa was just south of Jerusalem. But most often his prophecies were directed to the northern kingdom of Israel. I'm sure you know the, there was a two kingdom, northern kingdom and southern kingdom. And he was from the southern kingdom, but his ministry extended to the northern kingdom. So the priest Amaziah, who was in the northern kingdom, Israel, was very upset. He instigated Jeroboam too and uh, tells him this man is prophesying against the king and against the nation. And not only that, he tells this prophet, go, go to your place, go to your country and prophesy there. Don't come and do that here. You know, similar to what we see in the world today, when we share the word, when we tell about the gospel, we are chased away. We are not treated with that respect. It is not new. It happened even before in the lives of the prophets. And in 7 and verse 14, then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, nor was I son of a prophet, but I was a sheep breeder and a tender of sycamore tree. Look at the humble words he uses. Today, please, don't get me wrong. We find humans everywhere wanted to add a title, a prophet, doctor, bishop, cardinal, before a their name. And here is a prophet who says, I'm not a prophet nor son of a prophet, but I'm just a simple sheep breeder and a tender of sycamore fruit. I'm a fa farmer. And then he says in verse 15, then the Lord took me as I followed the flock and the Lord said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. You know, look at that word, look at that heart of God. He says, go prophesy to my people Israel. When you go, when you read further, when we go to the rest of the message, we will know who these people of Israel were and how they were living. But he, God, associates himself with Israel and says, he, they are my people Israel. You go and prophesy to them. And verse 16 now, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. You say, do not prophesy against Israel and do not speak against the house of Isaac. And in 717, the Bible says, God pronounces judgment against Amaziah. Amos says, you told me not to prophesy. Fine. But I wanted to tell something to you and says, God pronounces a judgment against Amaziah, the priest. Yes, my dear brother, my dear sister, we may be anyone in our spiritual life. We may be believers, but when we reject the word of God and consider it as nothing because of our selfish reasons, selfish ambition, then we have to face the consequences. We hear no more, no more of Amaziah or do we know how or where his end came? God did not speak to the king or to the priest, but to a simple man called Amos, who was a shepherd and a farmer. And now the beautiful thing is, Amos accuses, uses striking metaphors from a shepherding and farming experience. He uses a loaded cart in chapter two and verse 13, a loaded cart. 
and then a roaring lion in verse three, verse uh, chapter three and verse eight, a mutilated sheep in three and verse uh, twelve, pampered cows four and verse one, and a basket of fruits in eight one and two. The beauty is God uses what we have inside us or what is with us. When we yield to God what we have, God uses it. God did not use prophet Amos with something new and innovative ideas, but what he knew, what he had with him, God takes it, redeems it, sanctifies it, and uses it for his glory. My dear brother, my dear sister, today there are so many people in the world, or I, I could say everyone has got so many natural good in them, talent, skill, good qualities, but that is not enough. All that has to be redeemed and God will sanctify and use it. God takes all these simple things that this prophet knew and had with him. The pictures that was in his mind, the things that was in his heart, the things that he knew, God takes, sanctifies, and uses it. What a wonderful God we have. God can use you, my dear brother, my dear sister. Never say, I cannot serve God. Nor say, I have no training or knowledge. Our place, our occasion, our profession can become a tool to serve God. Moses' rod which he was using it to tend the sheep, became the rod of God. If you read Exodus, you read that how Moses' rod becomes the rod of God. And now I wanted to encourage you, what can God do through you? What do you have with you? But what is that which you're holding back from giving to God to serve him? That it may have, you may have something very simple with you, you may have very, uh, very nominal ones, nothing very great. But still, I know from these lessons and from my own experience, God can use that for his glory. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 27, the Bible says, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose a simple person, Amos, to proclaim three major messages. He was from an insignificant background, but he was bold and a sincere man. He trusted God. He made himself available to God. And he walked that path of faith to proclaim the good news of God. Moses stuttered. He was slow of speech. David's armor did not fit him. Paul rejected John Mark, and John Mark became useful for the ministry. Timothy had ulcers. Amos' only training was in the school of victory pruning and grazing cattle and sheep. Jacob was a liar. David had an affair. Jesus was too poor. He was only a carpenter. Abram was too old, and he made mistakes. David was too young. Peter was afraid of death. John was self-righteous. Naomi was a widow. Paul was a murderer. So was Moses. Jonah ran from God. Gideon Thomas doubted God. Jeremiah was depressed and suicidal. Elijah was burnt out. Martha was a worrywart. Moses had a short fuse. So did Peter, Paul. Well, lots of us have the same shortcomings in us. But I wanted to encourage, God took this simple shepherd and farmer and God brought him to stand before the people to proclaim three main messages. And we will see quickly from God's word the three main messages. The first one is about the future judgment. Amos starts with a message of judgment. He did, he, we did not hear much about messages on judgment these days. But 
Bible contains stern warning of severe judgment in the future. Judgment is a bitter pill to swallow for anyone. Amos starts off with a message of judgment on Damascus. And uh, then he goes on to pronounce on Gaza, Tyre, Edom, Ammon, Moab. And then he comes to Israel's sister Judah. And now when he came to Israel's sister Judah, I'm sure the people of Israel would have thought, wow, God is pronouncing all the nations, judgment on all the nations which have tortured us. Now God is acting against them on our behalf. And then when it came to Judah, I'm sure they would have thought, wow, now God is teaching Judah a lesson. They did not treat us well, and now God is judging. And they would have been happy. But God turns his gun. Amos, the prophet, turns his gun on Israel in chapter 2, verses 6 to 16. And if you read these judgments, you find it was more, it's almost double on the nation of Israel than all the other nations. And if you see in Amos these judgment, it was, he was starting off pronouncing judgment on, a, on the neighboring, Israel, uh, neighboring nations of Israel in a circular form. And then he comes to Judah and then center, he comes to Israel. I read about a story of two elderly ladies. <laughs> they were sitting in a church and there was a fiery preacher who was preaching his heart out and he was pronouncing judgment on lying. And these ladies said, Amen, brother, preach it. And then he preached against lust and they said, preach it, preach it, preach it, uh, reverend, uh, it's good. And then he preached about condemning stealing. And they were so happy and they were clapping and said, yes, preach it. And then fourthly, the preacher turned his gun on gossip. And uh, these two ladies went quiet and then told to each other, now this man is not preaching, but he is now meddling with us. This man is not preaching, now he's meddling with us. Yes, my dear brother, my dear sister, sometimes when we hear a message or even when we preach it, we think we are not there in that message. But let me tell you, we will preach and uh, we will hear the message. We have to be very careful. It is God's word. He comes talking to us because he loves us and he wants to make us and mold us into his likeness. And these people, they had forgotten the goodness of God, the people of Israel. And God had to remind them about his goodness towards them. If you read in Amos chapter 2, 9 to 11, he was telling them in this passage how he destroyed the Amorite before them. And in verse 10, he tells them how he brought them out from the land of Jew, Egypt and through the wilderness 40 years to possess the land of the Amorites. And then he says in verse 11, not only that, I raised up your children to be prophets and people and young, young people to be Nazarites, to be consecrated, to be set apart, to serve me. God uses the prophet to remind them of the goodness of God. And uh, he tells them, my heart is severely wounded because of your waywardness. And Amos 3 and verse 10, God outside they do not know how to do right declares the Lord there is a right and a wrong but they don't know what is right what is wrong but they it's not that what is wrong they know what is right but they do what is wrong God warned them through some acts of nature if you read Acts chapter 4 verse 6 to uh, Amos chapter 4 sorry verse 6 to 11 you find how God uses some of the natural things to get their attention. Verse 6, chapter 4, verse 6, he said, empty stomachs and lack of bread. God gave them empty stomachs and lack of bread. Verse 7 to 8, he withheld rain from them. He wanted to get their attention by withholding rain. Then verse 9, 
he says he struck the gardens and vineyards with blight, mild, uh, mild uh, mildew and uh, locust. And then he says uh, he sent plagues. And then in verse 11, he says he overthrew some like he did Sodom and Gomorrah. God had worked had acted in their country. He wants to get their attention. But verse 11 says, Et, you have not returned to me. Et, you have not returned to me. It breaks the heart of God. God says, my son, my daughter, I'm sending certain things in your way. I'm not saying all evil, all harm, all danger that comes to us is a judgment from God. Please don't get me. But definitely it sanctifies all of us. The Bible tells you, if you're holy, be holy still. So God wants us to take us from one level to another level. He wants to transform us. And here, the people living in sin is trying to get their attention to all the acts of acts in nature. But they have never turned back to him. However, God tells them, that's the heart of God. In Amos chapter 5 and verse 4, seek me and live. I brought all these calamities upon you, but you have not turned to me. But still, I want to tell you, you can still seek me now and live. Live the life that I can offer you, give you. And then in verse 6, he says, uh, the prophet says, seek the Lord and live. He hears from God. In Amos 5, 4, the prophet hears from God. And uh, he pronounces what God said, seek me and live. And then in verse 6, the prophet begins to explain to the people, urge the people, seek the Lord and live. And then he goes on to verse 14. He says, seek good and not evil that you may live. What does it mean? I told you the people did not know what is good, what to, how to do good. They've forgotten. They've gone doing only all that is evil. And now he says, you seek good and not evil that you may live. If you and I are seeking God and want to live for God, parallelly, we will be seeking what is good. I hope you understand. If we are seeking God in this world, the fruit of it will be we will be seeking good and not evil in our lives. And now God shows him a series of visions of judgment. There are five visions God gives him. The first vision is in chapter 7. He says, I'm sending locusts. I will be sending locusts. In the vision, God shows the prophet is preparing. He's preparing swarms of locusts and they strip the land clean. The prophet is able to see in a vision how God is preparing and God is sending it and it's stripping the land clean. And then prophet Amos intercedes. You know, what was his prayer in verse 2? Sovereign Lord, forgive. How can Jacob survive? He is so small. The heart of a prophet, the heart of a servant of God, I believe, not just the pastors, the evangelists, but for every child of God, we should get into this ministry of interceding. There is a severe judgment that is awaiting. The world does not know in what way we can share God's love and God's judgment. And you're the prophet, praise, intercede, sovereign Lord, forgive. How can Jacob survive? He is so small. Look at the heart of God again. I use this phrase, look at the heart of God, because we forget to see the heart of God most of the time. In verse 3, the Bible says, God relented, saying, this will not happen. This will not happen. Okay. Prophet, okay, my servant Amos, you're praying, I will forgive, I will not send it now. I will give them a chance to repent. This is the first vision. And then there's a second vision, which God pronounces in verse 4 of chapter 7. He says, I'm going to send a fire and destroy them. By fire, I will destroy them. And then again, prophet interferes, intervenes, and intercedes. And he says in verse 5, Sovereign Lord, stop. How can Jacob survive? He is so small. First he said, forgive. 
And now, prophet is telling God, stop. I'm sure you and I would always remember telling our children, stop, enough. Or maybe we will tell someone, stop, enough. But I'm not saying that Amos was telling that to God, ordering God or commanding God. But out of his relationship with God, he said, Lord, stop, please don't do that. How can Jacob survive? He is so small. And the Bible says in verse 6, God relented again saying, this will not happen. My dear brother, my dear sister, Tuesday mornings, we gather together for one hour of prayer. We are all busy people. I want to tell you, you joining us for the intercessory prayer can be a great blessing. Can be a great blessing. You will not know how much of forgiveness our intercession can bring to the people. How much of judgment will be stopped because we intercede. How much God will relent and instead send mercy to the people. Uh, urge you, AG, AG community and everyone who is listening, come join us on Tuesday mornings. Your prayers, you and I can be another Amos at this time to intercede. And then verse, vision three, verse seven to seven. Now God shows a plumb line. A plumb line is a device used to measure the straightness of a wall. And here God says, my son, Amos, I can't compromise my standard anymore. This is the standard that I've set for the people. I have heard your prayers. I have relented twice, but now my standard, I cannot bend. I just hold the same standard. Either they come up to the standard or I will not spare them anymore. Verse eight, he says, I will spare them no longer. I twice, twice I relented. Now I cannot stop anymore. And then verse uh, vision four, Amos chapter eight, verses one to two, God shows Amos a basket of ripe fruits, indicating they are ripe for judgment. Just as when fruits ripe, we pluck them from a tree or we eat it, or it is ripe and falls to the ground. So there comes a stage in national and individual corruption when there's nothing that can be done except God to smite. God to smite. Look at the way God gradually raised the standard. First, he told them, I'm going to send a locust. Something more of fire. And then he says, I'm not going to compromise. This is my standard. Either they have to measure up here or they have to face it. They do not do it. And God says, now they come right for judgment. God gradually raises the standing. He sends the warning and our conscience is sensitive when God sends a warning. And it is capable to read the warning. But when we suppress the conscience, we become hard-hearted and then God begins to strike. God begins to strike. And no one can blame God. Please understand that. No one can blame God for the judgment God sends on the human race because there is a conscience that is already there in all of us. And our conscience will tell us it's very, very important that we keep our conscience before God alive. And Amos 8 Verses 1 to 2, God, show, uh, God shows him a basket of uh, fruit. And now he says, the days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of, of hearing the words of the Lord. A day is coming. Now God is spending, sending his prophet to proclaim the word of God. The, the people of Israel are not listening. I'm sending words to you. I'm speaking to you. Listen, people are not listening. And then God says, a day is coming when there will be a famine through the land, not a famine of food or a thirst for water. You will have it. God says, you will have food. You will have water. But famine of hearing the words of the Lord. You know why? It's so precious. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread and water alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Today, Almost in every home, or for every believer, one of the 
passionate thing, this collection of Bibles, hobby, like how they collect stamps and uh, you know coins. They want to collect Bible, different translation, different sizes, different colors. But the contents inside are not known in the heart. And God says a day will come when you wanted to hear, you want somebody to teach you. You will not understand somebody to teach you. You will not know it. We have a beautiful Wednesday Bible study. We have come almost to the chapter 18th now. Just another five more chapters. You and I can learn a lot. And these five chapters are going to talk about the end times in so in such beautiful terms. I'm really excited. I want to encourage you. Take time. Be with us on Wednesday evening from 7.30 to 8.30. A day is coming when we will have scarcity of good teachers. Even today, we have scarcity of good biblical teachers. There are teachers. There are people but teaching what they want. But people who wait in God's presence to learn from God and teach is lacking. And may you and I take an opportunity now to attend our Bible study to learn and grow in God. And verse 12, he says, men will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. It was not just a prophecy about the land of Israel, but it's a prophecy for you and me too. And vision 5, 9, 1 to 4, the judgment on the day of the Lord and Israel. Israel to face the consequences of their sins. And God says he will strike the land, not only the land, but also the temple of the false gods, which they've raised up will crumble. You know, the, the temple of uh, temple that Solomon built was in Jerusalem, in Judah. But that is in the southern kingdom. Now, in the northern kingdom, they made their own temples and they had it there and they were worshipping in Samaria. And here God says, I will strike and I will put down those evil and false things in this world. God's that the nations of the world and Israel is no different. God brings to their mind a few things. And it's very interesting to know that how God has worked in history. We always think God had only one business to do, that is to keep his eye on Israel, bring them out from Egypt into the promised land, and through that bring a nation and then the Savior and then we. But he's a God of the universe, remember that. He's a God of this entire world. The whole earth belongs to him. He has acted in history in other countries of the world too. And here God pronounces to the people of Israel in verse nine, verse 7 of chapter 9. Are you not like the people of Ethiopia to me, O children of Israel, says the Lord? Did I not bring up Israel from the land of Egypt? I'm sure the people understood, yes, that Egypt was judged. Cushites were judged. God judged Egypt and brought the Israel out. And then God goes on to say, I brought the, even the Philistines from Capto and the Syrians from Kir. Just think of it. God did not only act in history in the land of Egypt for the people of Israel, but he also acted for the people of Philistines and the Syrians. And he judged the people of Ethiopia. And God wants to tell them, my son, my daughter, I am the God of the universe. I have acted in history and I have the capacity to act even back again now in your life. He's warning them. And the cause of the judgment is recorded all over the book of Amos. And we can see that. The first one, the next one is the denial of justice. The second message that he was giving is denial of justice. Why did God pronounce judgment? Because of denial of justice. The wealthy people of Israel were enjoying prosperity and peace. They were complacent and oppressing the poor and even selling them into slavery. Justice was not in their thoughts and hearts. Bible very clearly teaches us that God is a God of justice and cares for the poor. And the reason for God's judgment are recorded in the Bible from Amos chapter 2 verse 6 to chapter 6 verse 14 in a series of poems. And if you read chapter 2, verse 6 to 8, thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel, 
you can put the entire six to eight, please, on the screen. Here you find few things. He tells them that you had transgressed against me because you have sold the poor for a pair of sandals, chapter verse six. Verse seven, he says, and you pervert the way of the humble and you defile my holy name. And then he says, they lie down by every altar and clothes taken in pledge and drink the wine of the condemned in the house of the God. That is their own God which they've made. God tells them. And then in four, chapter one, he says, hear this word, you cows of Bashan. You are on the mountains of Samaria who oppress the poor, who crush the Indian and say to your husbands, bring wine, let us drink. He is telling this, cows of Bashan mean, doesn't mean the cows, but the women who are fatted like those cows of Bashan, instigating their husbands to oppress the poor, to crush the needy, to get the money from them so that they could drink and live a lavish lifestyle. Live a lavish lifestyle. He called such people as cows of Bashan. In chapter 5 and verse 7 to 12, if you read, he says, uh, uh, you who turn justice to wormwood, justice becomes so bitter for you. That's what he says. And five, chapter, uh, chapter five, verse 10 to 11. And he rebukes in the gate. And they hate the one who rebukes in the gate. And they abhor the one who speaks uprightly. They're not able to listen to advice. They're not able to listen to, to correction. Therefore, because you tread on the poor and take grain taxes from him. For I know your manifold transgressions and your mighty sins, afflicting the just and taking bribes, diverting the poor from justice at the gate. God's heart was torn to pieces. God's heart was bleeding because his own people who were talking about a God of justice were living an unjust life. They were doing all types of evil. Chapter 6 and verse 1, who to you are complacent and to you feel secure and want some area. They are complacent. They're very cool. Nothing is bothering them. They are just doing what they want. And in 6, 8, God says, I abhor the pride of Jacob and hate his palaces. I abhor the pride. And in verse 4 of chapter, he says, you swallow up the needy and make the poor land to fail and in five he says when will the new moon be passed and make the poor of the land fail when will the new moon be passed that we may sell grain and the sabbath that we may trade wheat making the epa small and shekel large falsifying this scales by deceit falsehood in business dealing they're waiting when will the Sabbath be over? Why? Because I want to start my business. The Sabbath has come telling me not to work. Okay, let me wait. Let me wait for these 24 hours to finish. Sundown to sundown to sundown. Let me wait and then start my business so that I can start earning. How to earn? By cheating, lying. God says, I know all that. You are exploiting the poor, the needy. Injustice has taken hold of you. You are taking bribes. You are complacent. You're proud. You have no commitment during worship, cheating. God says to the people, I'm watching all this in detail. Eagle has got an eye for detail. It can spot things from faraway place. And remember, God created the eagle and how sharp and open is eyes are to all the things that's happening in the world. Israel followed the ways of the false gods and falsehood began to rule their lives. I want to tell you who we are connected to, that life will flow through us. If we are connected with God, we will be very careful in our life what flows through us. We will be careful. We know that it is not from God if it is not from, if it is evil. So when we are connected with God, only goodness will flow. If we are connected with evil, the things of the world, only those desires and pleasures and that falsification will flow to us. 
worship for true god will always lead us to true living and fear of god and living away from the fear uh, from the from the living god will hurt us prophet amos was shocked that the same israelites who suffered under egypt's injustice and oppression are now doing the same to their own people who are poor and needy never forget the deliverance that god has brought to you and me it is important that we thank god in our personal life when you are riding when you are driving when you are having your bath cooking please i urge you as a servant of god as your pastor please open your mouth thank god for the deliverance that god has given you lest we forget the act of salvation in redeeming us from destruction the indulgent cross sin and injustice and emos want them that they will face judgment but the beauty is there is also a certainty of joyful restoration there is judgment because of denial of justice but also there's a certainty of joyful restoration and as soon as humans fell into sin god promised a savior in genesis 3:15 god called abraham formed a nation and through the seed he formed the nation of israel but israel failed god and then he promised a seed through the nation of israel and god remembers his promise and his plan the people have forgotten god and they've gone astray into their evil ways but god remembers what he promised israel and later judah go into exile they go into god's judgment and punishment however god promises restoration after disciplining them through judgment and exile and some prophecies in the bible has twofold fulfillment one is in the near future and the same also in the end times in amos 9:11 we read on that day i will raise up the tabernacle of david which has fallen down and repair its damages i will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old god promises them that i will raise up the tabernacle of david which is fallen down and verse 12 that they may possess the remnant of edom and all the gentiles who are called by my name says the lord who does the thing i'm not able to go into detail of this remnant of edom when they possessed uh, it's not in my uh, you know scheme of things now and uh, let's go into the main but but god did that god did that david's tent is fallen down due to the sins of the successive generations of david's family line however god promised david that one of david's descendants would always be seated on the throne and there would be an eternal king who would be seated on the throne in second samuel chapter 7 verses 12 to 16 god promised this when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers i will set up your seed after you will come from your body and i will establish his kingdom he shall build a house for my name and i will establish the throne of his kingdom forever i will be his father and he shall be my son if he commits iniquity i will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men but my mercy shall not depart from him as i took it from saul whom i removed from before you and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you your throne shall be established forever and you know what happened god promised david but david's tent was fallen and through the restoration of israel the bible says in acts chapter 15 verses 15 to 17 and with this the words of the prophets agree just as it is written after this i will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of david which has fallen down i will rebuild its ruins and i will set it up here you find that god what he promised to through uh, to what he promised to david even though the people later went away from god god judged them but god also promised a restoration in the future and now this restoration is fulfilled through Jesus Christ the whole thing is fulfilled in and through Jesus Christ and uh, he will be coming back again to reign forever and ever 
and all the other promises that is given in Exodus, the last uh, four verses will be fulfilled. Amos chapter 9, verses 13 to 15, we will read, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. The mountain shall drip with sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. I will explain to you what it is. And then verse 14, I will bring back the captives of my people Israel. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink wine from them. They should also make gardens and eat fruit from them. I will plant them in their land. No longer shall they be pulled up. For the land I will give, I have given them, says the Lord your God. Verse 13, it says that a plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes whom who sows seed. It means there will be so much of grapes during the harvest time. They will going on be harvesting, harvesting, harvesting. So much will be there. And the person who comes to plow and sow the new seeds, you know, will still find the people harvesting. There will not be any rest. So much overflowing. So much of blessing God promises. And this blessing is for the future through which God will restore all of us. When it speaks about two things, the people of Israel and uh, the future, what is it? What is the, who are the people of Israel? Paul speaks of two Israel in Romans 9. One being the nation and the people of Israel and the other referring to true Israel, that is you and me who have known the Lord Jesus Christ. Both the Jews as well as the Christians who have known the Lord Jesus Christ. We become the new Israel of God. And God promises you and me, my son, my daughter, there is a future. There is a future, there is a future, which will be wonderful and fruitful. I will deal with that. I will deal with that. And this joyful restoration will be the future for you and me. I wanted to encourage you, my dear brother, my dear sister, in the midst of all the injustice, evil, sin, temptations, God will give us this grace and strength to live for him. Amos concerns his lack of justice and righteousness because they are worshipping false God and not the true living God. And Amos 5 and verse 24, he said, let justice roll like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. That is the heart of God for you and me. You have made the righteousness of God in Christ. And hence, let us seek his grace to allow his righteousness and justice to flow through us. In our own lives, you and I have to search our hearts and see, are we holding on to the righteousness of God, the justice of God? Small, small things, little, little things in our relationship with our husbands, with our wives, with our children, with our in-laws, with our friends, with our neighbors, with our colleagues. Is there righteousness, justice flowing in and through us? Sometimes, even simple things of telling yes and no. When something is yes, we say no. When something is no, we say yes and we think. This is something very small. But I want to tell you, God is a God of righteousness, he said. Let your justice roll like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. God wants to do that. God is no respecter of persons and is willing to lead us to the fullness. And we are living now in this world as people who are restored by God. And this righteousness can flow only through you and me and justice can flow through you and through. We have to stand and say, I'm sorry. I cannot tell a lie. Recently, I got into a into a, a difficult situation of my uh, insurance. And I spoke to the insurance people and the insurance people told me, when you speak to the people who are medical insurance, health insurance, when you speak to our office, when they ask you like this, you tell them by mistake you did it. I was really tempted. Then I told those people, I said, I'm sorry, sir. I cannot tell a lie. I will tell only the truth. 
and they said sorry then we can't help you and they cut the car you know even now the consequences of it we are facing but one thing i'm happy is at least in some way i want god's righteousness and justice to flow and uh, in our relationship with people what we talk what we share we try to make things uh, big when it comes to others mistakes and shortcoming but when it comes to our big blunders we try not to show it but cover it and when you find a place where there is injustice and evil stand up take a stand take a stand do not budge in front of unrighteousness and injustice sorry there's a typing error i made do not budge in front of unrighteousness and injustice ask god to be bold in the midst of threats and fear you and i have to keep our head high and say yes i'm a child of god i want to go through righteousness and justice i want to live that life in the midst of loss in the midst of even threats i wanted to challenge my dear brother my dear sister our our country is going through a huge challenge all over the world we find so much of injustice and evil in our families and work spots in our neighborhoods let us not go in with a tide but swim against the tide ask god lord help me to say i am a christian i will never tell a lie i'll never do injustice i will never instigate people i will never bow to unrighteousness give me the grace to stand amos did it he was only a simple man a farmer and a very very simple shepherd but he heard the voice of god and god is no respecter of persons he will lead us to the fullness to be a challenge to all unrighteousness unrighteousness and injustice only because he is righteous and just and we are living in him it flows from living in him it's not our own any time you face a challenging situation where you have to say something which is unjust or unrighteous or decide which is evil you tell the lord lord I want to be in you and i want to let your allow your righteousness to flow through me i'm sure the lord will do it amos stood for it all alone and god used him god will use us to take this message through our lives and through our words to the world that is the need of god's love let's close our eyes and look to god in prayer